Austria, Bulgaria, Denmark, Finland, Germany, Hungary, Israel, Costa Rica, are just a few of the 46 countries that as of January 2015 have a complete ban on all corporal punishment of children. Now, if you want to know what we mean by corporal punishment, the UN Committee on the Rights of a Child defined corporal punishment as this. They say it is any punishment in which physical force is used and intended to cause some degree of pain or discomfort, however light. Organizations in the states, such as the Global Initiative to End All Corporal Punishment to Children, Association of Social Workers, the National Foster Parent Association, the United Methodist Church, are just a few of a long and growing list of organizations that have adopted policies calling for an end in this country to the use of corporal punishment of children. What we are about to talk about this morning is illegal in many countries and unpopular in this one. This morning we want to do two things. We want to talk first of all about parenting preschool aged children and then we want to continue our discussion on what we started back before the Easter break. We want to talk about the rod of discipline. So if you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6. Physically, emotionally, intellectually and spiritually, this first stage, you bring that baby home from the hospital. Uh, he stays in one place. He doesn't go anywhere. You put him down, he doesn't move. By the end of the first year, he is everywhere. There, he doesn't sit still. Okay, And there's that kind of dramatic development and progress in every one of those categories. Okay, So it's a time of great change. All right, if you were to go to a bookstore, you would find volumes on parenting children during this stage. There's very likely that some of you have taken courses on early childhood development. Now, by comparison, by contrast, the Bible is very brief. Now, I'm going to suggest to you that's actually a very good thing because this morning that's going to help us focus. It's going to help us be very intentional when we talk about shepherding the heart of a preschooler. It brings us to our next point, number two on your paper. The most important lesson for the child to learn in this period is that he is an individual under authority. Your primary training objective for this stage is teaching the child how God has structured his world. All right. Now, notice the passage starts out children. So this is directed to them. It says, obey your parents. Notice the next phrase. It says, in the Lord. All right, now that should sound familiar to you. Any of those of you that have been studying with us, we have seen something similar when we talked about submission, where we were, in fact, you can see it. Look at um, Ephesians 5.22. It says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Okay, you see we're seeing a similar thing here. Children are to obey their parents as to the Lord. Now, what does that mean? First of all, 
I would suggest to you it means that this is God's idea. This is God's plan. That means you are going to be going to your children over and over again, and you're going to be telling them, honey, this is God's plan. Mommy, this is not mommy's plan. This is God's plan. You are to obey mommy and daddy because God has designed it that way, and he can be trusted. He's good. He's a good father. He can be trusted. Okay. Secondly, it means that your child has a responsibility to God. His obedience to you is a response to God. And you want to help them understand that. Remember what verse 4 said. Verse 4 said that we were to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. You're going to help teach them that. All right, verse, the verse goes on to say, for this is right, that order, that structure. God is telling us this is right, this is proper. The author tells a story in one of his sermons of a time when he was trying to buckle his two-year-old grandson in a car seat. And the two-year-old begins to notice that the siblings, the older siblings and the parents, they're gathering and getting ready to go somewhere else. And he has been sent home to go with the grandpa. And so that little boy begins to cry and fuss and, and give uh, the grandpa a hard time. And so Ted, he, he signals over to his son, the father, and he says, I think you need to speak to your child. So the dad comes over and he says to the two-year-old, son, God is a good father. He can be trusted. Now, your mother and I think it would be best for you to go home with grandma and grandpa. The family, we're going to go out, but we will come back and we will all meet up together when this is over. But God is a good father. He can be trusted. And Ted Tripp said his grandson settled down. They took him home. They actually had a very lovely evening with him. Now, his point was that was not the first time that the child had heard that. You see, he was already being told that God has placed mom and dad to be in authority over you, and he is a good God. He can be trusted. All right, ladies, in the same way that we submit to our husbands because God can be trusted, we want to teach our children the same thing. God is a good father. He can be trusted. Now, the author talks a lot about this. He talks about the importance of presentation when you are talking to your children about authority. You want to present this as, it is, as if it is beautiful. It is a beautiful and good thing. Right? You don't want to say to your children, all right, listen, as long as you live under this roof, you have to listen to me. Or as long as I'm paying the bills... You have to do what I say, okay? That's not, there's nothing beautiful about that, okay? We want our children to see the beauty of God's ordained design. All right, notice also, not only is living under your authority right and proper in the eyes of God, but it's beneficial to the child. All right, look, it says in verse 3, they are to honor and obey that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. There is a promise attached to this command, a promise to the child, a promise that there is satisfaction and safety as he submits to what God has ordained. Now, when my kids were little and I would pick them up from Sunday school, I... 
managed to stand behind Jackie McFarland every week. Now, Jackie McFarland had two little girls the same age as two of my sons. And I would get behind her, and when she would come to collect her child, all the teachers would gather around the door and begin to tell her how wonderful her daughter was. Oh, little Jennifer, she sits so quietly and listens to the story. And little Jennifer, she said all of her verses. And Jennifer, she knows the words to every song. And Jennifer shared her cookie. And Jennifer said the most beautiful prayer over the snack time. It just, it, every week, every week, it went on. And you know what? It was all true. It was all true. She was a darling little girl. And my husband and I, we had her in class. We loved her. We wanted to take her home with us every week. So nonetheless, I would be standing there listening to this glorious praise for this child. And then somebody would get a glimpse of me standing behind. And they would say, Mrs. Giesler is here. Mrs. Giesler is here. And boom, 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 lickety-split. They would gather up my child and all of his belongings and hand them off to me. You'd have thought the building was on fire. And now, I know now that there is a big difference between little girls and little boys. I get that now. But at the time, at the time, I would leave uh, deflated. Now, I want to explain that. I... I had a realistic understanding that this was a process with my child. I knew that. I knew that um, we were just at the beginning stages. But there was this part of me that wanted people to enjoy my child. Okay, I didn't want him to be the kid that everybody wants to get rid of. Now, I had a habit as a young mom of taking my heartbreak and my frustrations, I'd, I'd take it to the Lord, and, I would, and I'd cried out to him. And God is so kind. He began to impress on me a couple of things. First of all, he, uh, there was the need for the child's salvation. Okay, I understood that. But there was an immediate need. He was showing me that the child had an immediate need to learn obedience and respect and self-control. He needed to be taught to honor and obey if things were to go well with him. He was going to have to learn to be a little boy living under the authority of God. And if we didn't deal with that, then we were setting that boy up to be the boy that everybody wants to push out the door. Listen, you don't do your child any favors by letting him be his own authority. Okay. Now, let's move on. Point number three. God's plan for children to obey their parents is for his, capital H, H, his glory and for the good of the child. Obedience is for the good of the child. The author has a good visual for this in the book. I've attempted to put it on your paper. It shows that God has placed the parent to be over the child. And as the child obeys the parent, he is in alignment with what God has ordained. And the, and the author calls this the circle of blessing. It's within this circle that there is safety, that there is satisfaction. And when the child disobeys and steps out of the circle, 
Okay, he steps out of that blessing. Now he's in a position of rebellion. But listen, not against you. He's in a rebellion against God. And this is, a, this is a dangerous place. This is a vulnerable place. And this is why the author refers to discipline as a rescue mission. As a parent, you want to pull that child back into the circle of blessing. Now, how do you do that? You're going to use discipline, and you're going to use instruction and communication. Now, um, I should note here, there are those that say, when they look at this uh, course, they will say that, oh, you're putting too much emphasis on obedience. There are other things to consider. You know, shouldn't you teach a child not to steal or to be kind or to share? Okay, yes, yes, teach a child that, absolutely. We're not talking about teaching obedience to the exclusion of those things. We're talking about teaching obedience as the premise, as the, as the springboard to those things. Think about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. Do they get them all? Those are the fruit of a life, what? Lived under the control, under the control of the Holy Spirit. Now, how do you begin to teach your child about that? You start by teaching him the way his world is structured. All right, also, you will have some people say that our focus should be on grace, that it's good to overlook um, an offense, focus on grace. Again, I say, yes, focus on grace. But a child will never understand grace if he does not understand sin. And he will never understand sin if he first has not been taught what it means to live under authority and be responsible to his creator. Okay, so for that reason, our emphasis is on obedience in this stage. Now, two things that we want to see in this Ephesians passage. Uh, he is told to honor his parents. All right, that word means to ascribe worth, to respect, to honor. We'll be talking about this a lot more in the next two weeks. For today, the author points out that one of the clearest ways for a child to show honor is in the way he speaks to his parents. Okay, your child should not speak to you like you are a sibling or a peer. Okay, your child should not use imperatives with you, even if the word please is attached, okay? He doesn't say to you, get me this, do that. Listen, that should stop you in your tracks, okay? Now, Ginger Plowman, in her book, and it's a very good book, called Don't Make Me Count to Three, she writes about the usefulness of role play. And she says role play is a very good way, a good teaching tool. So if you are wanting to teach your child a more respectful way to speak with you, you could perhaps try some role play. Practice it, do it over and over again, and then you require it from then on. Okay, number four. Okay, well first, after we discuss honor, now we want to talk about obedience and to obey. And I want to give you the definition that he uses throughout the book. Number four, submission to authority means that they obey without delay, excuse, or challenge. Now, the author makes a great point. He says that we inevitably train our children how we expect them to obey. Let me give you an example. Let's say I walk into my room. My child is playing with some toys on the floor. I say to the child, honey, 
I need you to pick up your toys and come get ready for dinner. I leave. The, do the child does not do anything. So what do I do? I come back and I say, young lady, did you hear me? I said, pick up your toys, get ready for dinner. Okay, I leave, I come back, she still doesn't do it. Now what do I do? The tone gets higher. I start using the full name. Mackenzie Jean Geisler. I said, get these toys picked up. One, two, three, and we start counting. Now what have we taught the child? We've taught the child, okay, listen, I don't really mean business until A, I'm yelling, I'm using the full name, I'm counting, I start with the question, did you hear me? Okay, what have we done? All right, now here's what the author suggests. Here's, here's a novel idea. Why not teach your child to obey first time and speaking in a normal speaking voice? Now, here's the thing. Oh, uh, Vody Bachman, he makes a very good point on this as well. He reminds us that there is a word in the Bible for delayed obedience. Sin. Sin. When we do not require our children to obey on the first time without delay and without challenge, we are teaching them sinful practices. We are teaching them that they can respond to God on their own terms and with delay. Now, why would we want to do that? We want to be teaching our children that they are to respond to God immediate and without delay and without challenge. And we can help them understand that by requiring that of them when we speak to them. Okay, um, again, Ginger Plowman. In her book, she shares that as soon as her children could talk, she would ask them, how does God want you to obey? And they would say, all the way, right away, and with a happy heart. I put that on your paper. It's all the way. It needs to be complete. It needs to be right away. There's no delay. And it needs to be, all, it needs to be with a happy heart, a right attitude. All right. Now, if you are to teach your children to be under authority, you're going to have to be prepared to discipline them because it is not in their nature to want to be under authority. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews 12. We're going to find that the primary tool for this age is going to be the rod. And we're going to read about that in Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, verse 7. <clears throat> it is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we have respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness." For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. All right, last week we started our discussion, three weeks ago, we started a discussion on the rod of discipline, and one of the things that I failed to mention was that word for rod in the Old Testament. It was the word shebet, shebet, 
which was a Hebrew word for a branch or a club or a staff. In other words, we're talking about a, a physical instrument or implement. Now, in the early days of your, your, of, children, of your child's life, the use of the rod is going to be primary. Now, now, why is that? Well, for starters, because God has commanded it. And then secondly, because a young child is not going to give proper concern to verbal instruction only. Okay? Now, have you ever tried reasoning with a two-year-old? Okay, their, their, their thought process, their understanding, it's not mature enough for strictly a verbal-only instruction. Okay, but if that is punctuated with, uh, with a spanking, then, then it's going to be, um, get their attention and be much more effective. Now, I want to spend some time this week talking about the actual application of the rod and some of the things that we talked about last week. This week, we want to talk about when we spank, and how and where we spank. Now, when do we spank? We're going to start there. Let's start by answering that with when we don't spank. All right? You do not spank because a child is irritating you. All right? You do not spank if a child is being silly or goofy or childish. Right? Your child is not spanked for that reason. You do not spank for accidents. You do not spank... For because a child is not able to um, accomplish something. Um, a good thing is to keep in mind how God disciplines us. That, that will be a good guide for you. Um, so, when do you spank? And by the way, I'm not saying that you don't do something about those things. I'm just saying you don't spank. All right, now, so when do you spank? And this is according to the author. When you have given a directive that he has heard, and is within his capacity to understand, and he has not obeyed without challenge, without excuse, or without delay, he needs a spanking. All right, here's our next point. Number one, spanking should be reserved for issues of defiance. Failure to honor and failure to obey. Okay, so spankings are going to be reserved for rebellion. When your child, has, he digs in his heels, and he tells you no, or maybe you've told him not to do something, and he turns around and he does it anyway. Or maybe he did spill the juice all over the floor, but you have just told him, do not carry the juice in that room. Okay, at that point, he's being spanked not for the accident, he's being spanked for willful disobedience. All right, when, another when question, at, at what age do you start spanking your children? Okay, well, this can be controversial even among those that agree on the spanking issue. Okay, some will try to put an age on it. All right, number two on your paper. Spankings should start when a child is old enough to understand your words and resist your directives. Okay, when your child is old enough to defy you, he is old enough to be spanked. And the author points out that understanding about this usually precedes his ability to articulate it. So long before he's able to say to you, you know, no way, way Jose, there, there's the understanding that he knows what he's doing. All right, another question is, oh, when do you stop spanking? All right, and this is going to, there's a lot of different variables to consider with this one. Um, spanking is most effective with young children because they fear it. The older a child gets, they learn how to maneuver things, and um, you would just have to be too excessive. 
for it to be of, of much uh, use. I can remember as my children got older and I would be sitting there trying to have a instruction time, they, you know, they were giving me the attitude, could you just spank me and you know, I could move on because that would be faster than <laughs> maybe a lecture. And, and when you see that happen, you know, you know it's time to, time to put the paddle away. Okay, um, another point. You want to spank as promptly after the offense as possible. And, and the child's age is going to have some uh, great impact on this. A four-year-old can possibly wait until after the company leaves to go home. A two-year-old, different story. You may have to take the child and deal with him before com company leaves. All right, next, we want to talk about how and where do we use the rod. How do we biblically administer physical discipline? And we're going to go over this in steps. All right, step number one. You're going to take your child to a private place. Take him to his room. Take him to your room. But you do it privately. Even if society, even if spanking was acceptable in this society, um, you would still want to deal with them privately. This is a private affair. Now, sometimes parents think, oh, you know, wouldn't it be better for the other kids to watch and, you know, they can learn from this. Maybe I won't have to spank it for the next time. Okay, no. No, you don't. <laughs> no, no. Uh, spanking is not an evangelism tool for the other children. Okay? This is, this is all about the child that's being spanked. Okay? And, and that needs to be done with uh, privately. Now, um, the author points out that if you are in a home and that person does not agree with spanking, then don't spank your child there, okay? Take, take your child home and deal with it. Um, you know, these are, these are hostile days. You're going to have to be very wise about this. Even when I was raising mine, I knew that I could not spank my child out and around. Somebody would report me. So uh, you have to be wise about that. Now, that brings up a whole new concern. What happens when your kids figure out they can do whatever they want at Aunt Angie's and you don't, can't spank them? Well, um, the author points out that if your child is clever enough to figure that out, then he is clever enough to be spanked for something when he gets home. And also, uh, for the most part, when they are little, they are, uh, you're, you're at home most of the time anyway. and You take care of it at home uh, when, when you're in your own house. Russell Moore He's a preacher and an author who's adopted two little Russian boys. And he says this, in his family, he calls a spanking a time out. And that way, when he is in Walmart and his sons are disobedient, he can say to them, you're going to have a time out when you get home. And uh, the children know what's going on, and the people at Walmart are not bothered. So, All right, step number two, you're going to explain the offense specifically. You want to explain to the child what he has done wrong. And again, I want you to remember how God deals with us. You know, any time that I've ever experienced what I would call painful discipline from God, I always knew why. I knew specifically. I didn't ever have to wonder, you know, why, what I do? Okay, no, he's very specific. Okay, and you're going to be the same way with your children. Honey, mommy told you not to climb up on that shelf. All right? Now, as you get older, you can um, spank for broader themes of attitude, but here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to give generic spankings. You know, the kind where, you know, he's been driving you crazy all day, and you say, okay, that's it. You've been rotten all day, and 
you're going to spank. Okay, no, no, you don't want to do that. No generic spankings. You know what usually happens? We, we let things go all morning. And then finally at 5 o'clock, we say, that's it. You have had a sassy attitude all morning, and um, you know you're going to be spanked. Okay, no, remember, that's not how God deals with you. Okay, so you're not going to deal with your child like that. All right, now what if there's a problem, and you're not exactly sure what happened, and your child's not telling you? All right, uh, the author says, in, really, in this case, there's not a whole lot you can do, but... Your credibility increases when you only spank when things are clear, okay? Now, number three, you're going to secure acknowledgement from the child, okay? Mommy told you not to climb on the shelf, and you didn't listen, did you? You didn't obey mommy, did you? Okay, and then the child, you need to get some type of acknowledgement. Now, the younger the child, the more difficult this step can be. But the idea is you want to secure acknowledgement so that you can see that the child understands why he's being spanked. Otherwise, um, the spanking is going to be very confusing. All right, now the author points out, if you have a child that refuses to admit that he's done anything wrong, what do you do? Maybe he's lying to you about something. Well, he points out that um, you don't ever want to call your child a liar. It's just, you, you just don't want to go there. Uh, once you call somebody a liar, the conversation breaks down, and you are better off to um, let him get away with it and, rather than calling him a liar. If there's been deceit involved, that is uh, something that you're going to get to address again, and um, it's best to preserve their relationship. All right, number four. You want to remind the child of the objective. <clears throat> remind him of the objective. Mommy must obey God. And so mommy must spank you when you disobey. All right, this is a chance for you to explain to the child that he's in a place of danger when he disobeys. He has stepped out of the circle of blessing. And that you want to bring him back in. And that's the purpose of why you are spanking him. Now, it is critical, critical that some type of instruction take place when you are disciplining. One uh, preacher put it this way. He said, it would be completely sinful for a parent to spank without instruction. Because, you know, you know what's the purpose of it? At that point, you're just hitting your child. Okay? Now, number five, explain the number of swats. All right, now, and listen, this may be different for each child. You may have a child that's very sensitive, and just the sight of the paddle makes him repentive. And then you may have another child who's very strong-willed, and you may have to revisit the number of swats you just told him. Okay, it's okay. Kids are different. You know, you know what each child needs. Now, the, the purpose is that you tell them at first, and this way, you're, you know, you're displaying that you're in control. You're not some crazy woman just hitting, hitting on your child, okay? You're not angry. You're in control. Number six, remove interference. I want to explain this one, okay? If your child is wearing a diaper, and he's got a pair of overalls or a diaper and some ruffly bloomers. And, you know, it's probably not going, he's probably not going to feel much. All right? So you're going to want to consider removing those. When my kids were little, I always spanked a bare bottom. Now, I never um, pulled their pants down by their ankles or did anything like that. I wanted to be very, very respectful of their bodies. Typically, I put them over my knee. I removed the pants just far enough so that I could see some cheek, some bare cheek, and I smacked it, and then we quickly, everything was put back in place. 
Now, the general rule here is that if the child is young enough to where you are in charge of his hygiene, okay, if you're changing his pants, if you're giving him his bath, if you're helping him wipe his bottom, then it's very, uh, very understandable that you would be able to spank a bare bottom. Now, once the child is in his own, taking care of his own hygiene, then you're going to want to revisit that. It may be that you just, you know, lower the pants low enough and you're spanking through a pair of undies. Um, I, I know in, in our home, we found discreet ways to just get a little piece of cheek flesh and, you know, get, get the deed done. Um, the point is, uh, we're not looking for, you're not looking to humiliate the child. You're not looking to treat them in an undignified manner. You don't want anything like that. But, but he needs to feel it. All right, now, um, at this point, we might also ask, ask you know, how, how do we do the swatting? Now, in my day, do you use your hand? Do you use a wooden spoon or a stick, something like that? In my day, they used to say, don't use your hand. The hand is for loving. The hand is for comforting. Of course, now, we've just read that discipline is an act of love from the parent, and it is comforting. So that's not really a good argument when you think about it. Um, if I was on the road, say I was at my parents, I used my hand. If I was at home, I had a special stick. It was a paint stirrer that you kind of get from the uh, hardware store. makes a good spanking stick. It's flexible. It just gives a quick sting. doesn't going to do any um, physical damage. Um, I want you to look at verse 10. <clears throat> verse 10 says, For they disciplined us for a short time. Verse 11 says, For the moment all discipline seems painful. Okay, you're just looking for a moment of pain. Just some momentary unpleasantness. Okay, one pastor suggested that, this is probably especially helpful for men, that you just, that you flick your wrist when you're spanking. Okay, you know, as opposed to the old tennis swing with all your weight, okay. We're just, we're just looking for a quick, temporary sting, okay, that something that they can recover from immediately. We're not looking to do anything harmful or damaging. Now, for me, I found that um, I had a special stick, and I kept it on my refrigerator, and when I needed to use it, you know, just the walk there gave me a chance to get myself in order, pull myself together, make sure I wasn't angry, make sure that I was in control. Um, then I would take the child, we'd have our conversation, I would I'd give him his spanking. We had, um, we had a specific routine when it came time to spanking. And I wanted my kids to know that. I wanted them to know, okay, listen, we have a spanking routine. We have a spanking ritual. Now, here's why. Because I didn't want to go reach for something and have my kids, you know, ducking. You know, is mom going to hit me? All right. I wanted them to know, no, there's, we have a special order and a way that we do this. And, and what I found was my kids never used the argument, oh, I get to hit because mom hits. Okay, that was... Um, uh, they, they never saw me hit. And in their mind, spanking was just in a category all of itself. And, I, and the uh, ritual helps with that. All right, number seven. Step seven, restoration and restitution. All right, in my house, hugging always followed a spanking. You have them in your arms and you tell them, you remind them how much you love them. You remind them that all is forgiven, that they are restored. Okay. Um, this is a time to pray with them. This is a time to talk to them about the gospel. This is why we need Jesus, because of things like this. Um, this is uh, 
one of the things you want to remember is you want to end your training session on a good note. Okay, fresh start, clean slate. Okay, again, I want you to think of the way that God deals with us after we sin and after we have repented. All right, same thing with them. Here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to leave mad. You don't want to leave with, uh, this is an over young lady, or, uh, oh, you just ruined my day. No, 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 good note. You want to end on a good, good uplifting note. All right, this is also a great time to help the child think through what he could have done differently in order to avoid this. It's all also, if applicable, the child needs to be required to make restitution. If he has just been spanked for um, not uh, obeying and picking up his toys, he needs to go back now and pick up his toys. If he's being spanked uh, for throwing a truck at his sibling, and he has been taught clearly he is not to do something like that to his brother, okay, then you know what? He needs to go back and make restitution. He needs to make things right with that brother. Okay? Restitution. All right, now, what if your child isn't repentative? Repentive. What if he's uh, angry? Well, it may, needs that he may mean that he needs another spanking, and your discipline is not done. Uh, you may have to give him, you may have to say, okay, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to give you two more spankings. Now, that... You're going to have to take into account how much his bottom can handle in something like this. But I want you to see verse 11 in the Hebrews passage. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Okay, your child needs to be peaceful and repentive when you're done. All right? So it may be that you have more spanking to do if he's not. Now, there are some other reasons why a child might not be repentive. And we want to talk quickly about those. We're going to go through them very, um, very briefly. On your paper, I have a list of some of the reasons spankings, spanking doesn't work. Number one, lack of consistency. Okay, that's you spank one day, the next day you don't. You end up with a child that's very confused. All right. Number two, lack of persistence. All right, this is when you try it for a few days and then you just quit and you give up. All right, don't give up. Don't give up. You have to be consistent. You have to be persistent. All right, number three, lack of effectiveness. All right, listen, if you are paddling through a diaper and a onesie and a pair of Oshkosh Bagosh overalls, okay, it's not going to be effective. All right, so you want it to be effective. So check that. Number four, lack of righteousness. Okay, and this is mom's righteousness. Okay, what is your attitude? Are you spanking in anger? Have you dealt with him roughly? Um, what is your, are, are you being vindictive? You know, what is your motive and attitude as you spank? Now, if it's, if it's any of those things, you need to go back, you need to repent, and you need to ask forgiveness of that child. Now, now the point here is, if your child is not repenting, um, you, 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 need to get to, you need to figure that out. You need to get to the bottom of it as to why that's not done, and deal with it. All right. Now, you may be thinking, if I determine to speak to my child in a normal tone and expect him to obey me without delay, without excuse, without challenge, then, and I'm supposed to spank him every time he doesn't do that, that is all I will get done. That is all, I'll, that's all I'll do. I'll spend my day doing that. Okay. Yeah, you kind of will. Okay, there, there are going to be days 
when that may be all you do. I can remember, um, I can remember days like that where I felt like all I did, I felt I, all I did was spank my child all day. And usually I felt, A, like a failure of a mother, and then I would feel like, what a wasted day. All right, now listen. I want you to hear me on this. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's a bold-faced lie of the enemy. If you spend your day disciplining and spanking your child, you are, you are not a failure of a mother, and it is not a wasted day. If you are biblically disciplining your, your child, it's not a wasted day. It's a day of obedience. Your obedience. And you can encourage one another with that. I just had a day of obedience. <laughs> Spent my day obeying. All right. Now here's what I want to encourage you with. And I'm saying this from experience. It gets easier, and it's worth it. Big payoff. You have children you enjoy being around. Last, last point. If parents are consistent with discipline, the necessity for discipline decreases, and the authority issue can be settled in early childhood. This is very hopeful very hopeful lesson. Okay, let's pray. I know you'll have a lot to talk about in your groups. Father God, we thank you that you are God. You can be trusted. You are a good God. I pray you will help these women to be obedient women, that they will exercise and teach and practice to their children the beauty of immediate obedience Obedience that is without delay, without challenge, without excuse. Help us to be women that do that, that act it out and model it for our children. And we ask all these things in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.